Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hardfell Radio. Hope you're enjoying yourself, however you are listening on this wonderful Friday. Whether it is on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, Anchor, you are listening to a segment video on YouTube. Appreciate you guys all for joining me here today. And it's it's Friday, meaning we have spreads. I have some Bronco talk. I got some baseball. Great show today. Let's do it. So the Rams, I'm sorry, not the Rams, the Jaguars and the Titans played last night, Thursday night football. And there's really not a lot to take out of it. Mariota's got deficiencies. Uh, the Jaguars are playing at the back of quarterback. Jaguars won the game, but mm, my Titans pick not looking so good. But beyond that, Jalen Ramsey was playing in this game. And Jalen Ramsey is the topic of conversation because he asked to be traded earlier this week. And there was... People that I had heard saying, oh, how do you trade, or not how do you trade Jalen Ramsey, but they were more astonished that it's like, you can't let the NFL become like the NBA, guys just wanted to trade because they're on a bad team, and that's just going to set a bad precedent, and then losing teams, how are they ever going to get players? What's the problem? Don't get me wrong. I do think there is something to asking for a trade too early. I think there is some guys in the NBA and the NFL, we'll see if this trend continues in the NFL, specifically the NBA, who do ask for trades at like 23, 24 years old, and they're like, oh, well, I'm not winning. Well, what have you really had a chance to win? What is your expectation? Do you think just because you scored 20 a game that you should be allowed to leave? Or you should, be a, you should just be requesting a trade like you're a superstar? But that's not the point here. The point here is Jalen Ramsey is an employee of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you are an employee, you <coughs> excuse me, you have every right to say, hey, if you guys want to keep me, you either pay me accordingly, you allow me some extra benefits, whether that is health care, dental, vacation days, whatever it is, or I get some special treatment. Special treatment may be, we've all had that one person we've worked with that the boss just seems to treat a little bit better than everybody else. And that could be a uh, behind-the-scenes handshake, some stuff agreed to that's not available for everyone to know, but you've seen what special treatment looks like. Jalen Ramsey is in the position, as any employee, that he wanted more money, they just picked up his fifth-year option, that's not the contract he wanted, not winning and it's kind of miserable to come to work every day and he's not getting the special treatment which is for the NFL I would consider special treatment being hey I think I'm this good let me play the way I want to play I understand we have a defensive coordinator but I'm this good I should be allowed to just play one-on-one and the other 10 guys do what they do Darrell Rivas was this way in New York and I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey is as good as Darrell Rivas but I'm just saying top corner to top corner Revis was paid, Revis got special treatment, and Revis got to play the way he wanted to play, which is, I'll play one-on-one, and you other ten guys just figure it out. And Jalen Ramsey's getting none of the three. I was in this position myself. I left my former employer because pay. They didn't want to pay me what I thought I should be paid. I got almost zero special treatment, 
And there was no additional benefits that not every other person was already getting. So I was like, well, you're not compensating me the way I feel I should be compensated. I know what I bring to the table. I know how valuable I am. And you, as an employer, have to make a choice. Is it worth keeping this employee? And if it's worth keeping this employee, you will make sure that you do what you have to do to keep said employee. Now, be realistic. They're not going to throw a billion dollars at Jalen Ramsey. But is it too crazy to say that if Jalen Ramsey went to at the beginning of the season and said, Hey, we just got Nick Foles. We're going to try to make this work. But just in case, we'll make sure you're you are best player on this team. Here is a five, six-year deal. Max them out wherever the top corner slot is. Hey, our defense, we're changing things up, but we're going to, these 10 guys are going to figure it out. You get to play one-on-one and we'll save you a part, a nicer parking spot. We'll do whatever extra thing they can give him. And this isn't happening right now. And on top of that, as an employee, if you show up and it's miserable at your work and for Jalen Ramsey, it's miserable because they're not winning. Why would you want to stay there? Oh, it'll get better in the future. What does Jalen Ramsey have to look forward to? Right now, he's got a backup quarterback who's going to be hit and miss. And his savior is, in 10 weeks, Nick Foles will come back. Hopefully as good as what version of Nick Foles? Nick Foles has about 20 games in his career in which he's been good and then a whole lot of bad. Remember, Nick Foles has the one really good season, and then he's got he's got the 27-2 season, and then he's got a bunch of eh, and then he's got the 3-4 games at the end of two years ago, and a couple good games at the end of last year, and now we're just all expecting Nick Foles to come back and be what? Jalen Ramsey hasn't been given anything a quality employee should be given if their employer wants to keep them. I see no issue as to why he would want to get out. And if you're Jacksonville, maybe you can salvage it. If you show up tomorrow and you're like, hey, we're going to pay you this much. Hey, we're going to do this. But most likely not. They've already came out and said, hey, if you want him, we want a first round draft pick, possibly two, and a young player. Who knows? Uh, If the Chiefs get Jalen Ramsey, though, watch out. Switching from one of the best players in their position to one of the best players of all time. The NBA, there was a poll that was released, and it was the best players of the decade. LeBron James is the number one player of the decade. He was also, I believe, the number three shooter, which I'm still trying to figure out how. This is not a LeBron James bashing segment. Let me be very clear. I want to repeat this. This is not a LeBron James bashing segment. Understood? All right. LeBron James shouldn't be the number one player of the 2010s. Just, I'm sorry, he shouldn't be. If I'm thinking about the 2010s, if you had given me just the first three years of the 2010s, absolutely, I would give you LeBron. uh, Give me the first four years. Uh, give me the Miami Heat run, two finals, four finals, I'm sorry, four final trips, 
two finals MVPs, uh, two regular season MVPs, LeBron James, player of the 2010s. The problem with that is we keep playing games and keep having seasons. And for some reason, we keep not putting Steph Curry as high as he should be. To be the best player of the decade, to me, you not only have to be one of the best players, because once you're getting into this era, I mean him, LeBron, Steph, and Durant were the top three. And all three of them are obviously three of the ten greatest players, arguably, of all time. So you're, you're, you're splitting hairs here when you're really saying, oh, he should be number one or he should be number two. But what do we think about when we think about the 2010s? It's a threes league. Everyone shoots. There's more possessions. Oh, who embodies that more than any other player? Uh, I don't know. How about ever? Oh, that's right. It's Steph. When we think about the 2010s, where's the dynasty? We don't think of the early LeBron Miami Heat team winning back-to-back. Well, that's right. We think of the Golden State Warriors and three titles for Steph and how he got a title before Durant and how Steph has a unanimous MVP, how he has multiple MVPs in this decade, how Steph has four... It's something that four of the six, I always get slightly confused, with him and Clay have... Him and Clay have like eight of the top ten shooting seasons ever. I believe Steph has four of the top six. Steph has the most threes ever in a regular season. Steph's team won 72 games. That is all stuff that happened this decade. LeBron James, as crazy as it is, I don't believe is the best player of the 2010s, and I don't believe he is the player of the 2000s. Either the 2000s belongs to Kobe or Duncan, depending on how you want to go there, and the 2010s belongs to Steph. Now, if we're doing an all-time ranking, LeBron is ahead of Steph Curry because LeBron is one of the top five players, arguably top three players of the 2010s and the 2000s, which is such prolonged greatness, you have to put him in that conversation. But if I'm just doing... Who's the best player of the 2010s? Who's the most impactful player of the 2010s? Who's the player we're going to look back and remember? Who's the team we're going to look back and remember? And who's the best player on that team? Steph Curry's the best player of the 2010s, and he deserves to be number one on that list. Got a lot more stuff to get into. We have some spreads for you guys. I have some Mike Trout, uh, one of his... Arguably his best quality, and uh, we end today with another only something I would understand, and if you are a Final Fantasy fan, you need to stay tuned, because we have a great, great comparison for you. Uh, with that, we're going to take a short break here on Hard Foul. We'll be back momentarily. Friday, we are ready for the weekend, and oh, I can't wait. I got a pretty fun-packed weekend for myself. Um, 
excuse me, I am going to go see my friend's band Life and Discord play here at Soma in San Diego. Uh, it's going to be a super dope show. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, and then we are also going to go have, we have a family day with my girlfriend's family on Sunday. So super cool weekend. Super excited. Something I didn't want to touch about and I had to fight with myself during pre-production about is last week, obviously, I was really frustrated with the officials. Uh, that was because the officials blew a game, blew a call. They didn't blow the game. Blew a call in the Denver-Chicago game, Bradley Chubb landing on the quarterback. And there's been a bunch of those. There's been a bunch of roughing the passer calls that have been questionable. Right? That's fair to say they've been questionable. And I was thinking about it the more uh, that I was put a lot of thought and effort into this. A lot of times in life, and most of the most of the times, not even a lot, most of the times in life, if something's gone going good or going bad, we like to blame other people. We like to blame the refs in sports. We like to blame people in our lives when it comes to personal issues. When the reality is, a lot of times, it's on us. I'm not saying that I love the rules. I'm not saying that I love the quote-unquote how soft the game has gotten that's not what I'm here to defend. I'm not a ref defender. I probably never will be. But when I thought about all these ref and the passer calls that have been happening and everyone complaining, it made me think, well, who doesn't get called for roughing the passer? Von Miller doesn't get called for roughing the passer. Khalil Mack doesn't get called for roughing the passer. J.J. Watt doesn't really get called for it. Aaron Donald... It made me think, well, that's that's funny that some of the best, the guys who are best at it, they don't have the same difficulties and complaints as the rest of us because they're in control of what they're doing. And if I'm Von Miller, you go to you should have gone to Bradley Chubb on Monday and said, hey, or Tuesday, whatever day you come back to practice, hey, I know you're upset, hey, I know you're frustrated, but you messed up. I know that's hard to hear, but you messed up. You know what Vaughn and Chubb, I'm sorry, not Chubb, Vaughn and Mac and Donald and Watt, you know what they do a lot of? They do a lot of swatting with their hand. What's that mean? They're swatting for the ball. They don't even care if they get the quarterback on the ground because they know, hey, it's a crapshoot if it's going to be called or if it's not going to be called or what the ref is going to be looking at. They're trying to get the ball because if they hit the ball, chances are they're causing a fumble or they're hitting the quarterback's hand and the quarterback's going to feel pressure and go down by himself. When pass interference was super touchy about early in the 2010s, who wasn't getting called for pass interference? Oh, that's right. Darrell Revis and Charles Woodson and Nambi Asamoah and Champ Bailey, the guys who were the best at it knew hey, these are the rules, I might not love the rules, I might not embrace the rules, but I can adapt, and I can take control of it because it's really on me. I understand there's a lot of fans who are frustrated with it, but, and not, not even fans, just players as well, but really players, it's on you, you guys have to adapt. Jamal Adams came out and said, I'm going to keep playing the brand of football that I want to. Well, that's stupid. 
Why would you literally come out and say, I'm going to keep doing the wrong thing? Isn't that like ants taking the math test? And when 2 plus 2 is, comes up, you're like, you know what? 2 plus 2 equals 5. And I'm going to keep answering 2 plus 2 equals 5. Why? That's the wrong answer. You might not like the fact that's the right or wrong answer. But 2 plus 2 is never going to equal 5. If they're going to be cuddling or coddling the quarterbacks to this degree, it's up to you to adapt. That's on you. That's on the players. Didn't initially want to get into that, but then the more I was, I gave it a lot more thought, and I was like, that has to make the show. Now for everybody's soon-to-be-new favorite segment. We are going gambling. And I know last week wasn't a great week for me. I went I went two for five last week. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to be better this week. So let's start it up. This week for Childish Choices, we are improving on the two for five we did last week. Childish Choices starting at the number one game we're going here. Oakland at Minnesota. Minnesota is an eight-point favorite. Take Oakland with the plus eight. Oakland has played. They played Denver great and won. They played Kansas City tough. And really, do you know Oakland only gave up points in one quarter? Now, they only scored in one quarter, but they only gave up points in one quarter. They got up 10-0 in the first. Kansas City got 28-0 in the second. And then nobody scored. And they played dead even in the third and fourth quarter. I like Oakland. Uh, I like Derek Carr. What they're doing right now with this offense, John Gruden, there was clearly chemistry and practice reps starting to pay off, and Oakland looks like a much better team than we thought they were going to be. I spoke earlier, probably about three or four months ago, I loved the fact that John Gruden did get a 10-year deal, and this is what you're supposed to see, improvement and progress every single year. Oakland, I think, is going to be physical at the line of scrimmage. They're going to play better defense than people give them credit for, and Minnesota who I like everything about Minnesota except Kirk Cousins. Minnesota is, they're in that Tennessee class of, I like everything about them except their quarterback. And I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I don't tr trust Kirk Cousins with eight points. He's got to score, pretty much get re-looking at the game, three field goals or touchdown to field goal ahead. I don't got it. I have Oakland losing the game, but... Minnesota only winning by 7, 24-17. Minnesota take Oakland with the points. Miami at Dallas. Dallas is favored by 21. Miami, you literally can't do this. Miami, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot start the season off the way you've done it and lose a third game by just an absurd score. And this isn't even just tanking anymore. This is just, this is surrender. This is, I gave up, uh, this is, I can't do it, this is throwing the white flag. I don't think Miami does that, nor do I think Dallas, who has already shown that they're legit. Uh, Dak obviously got off to a great start. Man, Miami just can't do this. Miami cannot, they, there, there has to be some pride, some coaching game plan, some Dallas that's way too many points. I don't trust the Cowboys offense that much, despite the fact they're improved. Give me Miami with 21 points. Miami, you can't blow this again. Last of Chowder's choices, Baltimore at Kansas City. Kansas City is favored by 6.5. I'm taking Baltimore. Uh, I like Baltimore a lot. 
I think this is one of those games. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to have to duel Patrick Mahomes. I think Baltimore is going to do everything in their power to get to 150 plus rushing yards. They want to turn this. They want to get this game ugly. They want Mahomes to have the ball as least as possible. There's going to be a lot of triple option. Lamar is going to be more of a runner than a thrower. This is what we said about Baltimore from the very beginning. They are such a unique team with Lamar Jackson because you never know what style they're going to play. And they are a unique week-by-week -week matchup. Plus, they bring in a legit top-10 defense. So I don't believe Mahomes is going to be able to throw the ball all over the yard. Uh, as great as I think he is, and he's coming up in my only I Would Understand segment at the end of the show. Mahomes is great, but I believe the Ravens are going to have a great game plan. They are so hard to coach against because of the fact you never know if they're going to try to air it out for 300-400 yards or if they're going to run for 200. Uh, excuse me. I have Kansas City winning this game, but it's close. Kansas City 24, Baltimore 21. I did not take the Miami-Dallas score uh, because I'm just hopeful that it's just not 21. We'll, we'll say right now my inclination is Dallas... <sighs> inclination is Dallas 27, Miami 10. 17 points. That's that's all I got for you, Miami. Henny's hopeful. Denver at Green Bay. I said this is going to be one of those kind of consistent things with my hopeful pick, uh, especially early on in the season when Denver's not performing very well. Uh, Green Bay is an eight-point favorite. I'm taking Denver. I believe Denver played a good second half against Oakland. I believe they played good on defense against Chicago. And I believe that Green Bay is probably the first team that is not going to do this hike Throw the ball in three seconds, take Miller and Chubb out of the game. I think Sanders has a big game. I think Sutton has a big game. I think Freeman and Hill and um, I'm sorry, Philip Lindsay are going to run the ball a bit better. Uh, Joe Flacco, who it's hit and miss, but he does have a 60% completion rate. I think Denver goes into Green Bay and it's competitive. I have Green Bay winning 24 17. But I get my points. Neji's no-brainer. New Orleans at Seattle. Seattle's a four-point favorite. Take Seattle. Eat the points. Seattle's really good, guys. Russell Wilson is really, really good. Seattle uh, is going to come out. They're at home. They have the advantage. They're going to be able to run the ball. And as long as Seattle would have dominated Pittsburgh last week, even more so than they already did, but they fumbled twice. I don't think they have those same fumbling issues. They're at home. There's going to be momentum. New Orleans, I Teddy Bridgewater, Seattle's not worried about them. him dicing them up the field. He's not going to throw it deep over their heads. I believe this game is played 0 to 10 yards for New Orleans on offense, and I think Seattle is going to excel at that. Bobby Wagner in the middle there on defense. Um, give me Seattle. Give me the points. To me, this is the easiest no-brainer of the week. Seattle's minus 4, eat the points. They're going to beat New Orleans. Uh, I have them beating New Orleans sound and handily, handily beating them. There we go. I can talk. 31 to 10, Seattle. Man, I need to get my words together, apparently. Uh, excuse me. I also want to go here into some Bronco talk. So... As I've stated multiple times, I was very frustrated with Denver's performance. I was very frustrated with the refs. I was very just, I was just a very frustrating Sunday. It was a very frustrating Monday night. 
uh, a loss or two losses in a row is really not a big deal for any NFL team. It's just more deflating once early on in the season because that's the hopeful time of the year, and you're like, yeah, we're gonna have to a great start. We're gonna we can totally beat them, or oh yeah, we can beat them. There's just more hope, and you haven't had football in a couple months, so 0-1, 0-2, well, one or two games really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of it. It just feels different. So I was in my fields, and Denver got off to an 0-2 start, and I was really upset. I was real sad. I was real frustrated. But after I got over all that, I like what Denver's doing. And that could mean Denver does not do well this season. But Vic Fangio, from all accounts, not only what is said behind closed doors or said to the media at practice, which is he is a hard ass. He's not letting anybody slide on the fact of, oh, you've done this. Everybody has to work. Everybody has to perform. Everyone's got to bring it. He's just old school as old school as old school gets. You would see him even on the sidelines. He's yelling at guys. He's like, what are you doing? How'd you get this penalty? Obviously, there is a bunch of things Denver needs to fix. But I like the way that they're fixing even, um, or the way they're going about it. Even this week during practice, even the other guys were like, yeah, man, we love Garrett Bowles, but he, he's got to stop holding. It's just a fact. He's got to stop holding. A lot of people don't like just the outright blunt approach to being handled at work, and they're like, you almost get this uh, defensive, well, you're not my boss, so why are you telling me what to do? Oh, you're not my boss, why are you saying this? But the fact is, we're all here to get one thing done, and that seems to be happening from the head coach down all the way to the players, and that is one of the best things I think you can do in sports, especially football, which is build a culture. And Vic Fangio, who this probably is not going to be his final roster that he wins with. There's a really good chance Flacco's not his winning quarterback. There's a really good chance outside of maybe an older Von Miller, uh, Bradley Chubb, and an older Chris Harris possibly Justin Simmons if he turns it around a little bit more, that he's keeping a lot of these guys. Offensively, I do think they like Reis- They like Reisner. They like Jackson, who they signed at right tackle. I'm sorry, not Jackson, Juwan James, who they signed at right tackle. Uh, Sutton, Sanders is probably going to be gone after this year. Fant, the young tight end. They have Juwan Winfrey. So they have pieces, and he's trying to establish to these next guys that are going to be coming up and being Denver's best players in two years, in three years, no one gets to slide here. And if Elway is bought in and is committed to Fangio as he seems to be, I mean, hell, we gave, excuse me, we've given worse coaches, long times, longer times than they should have. Um, but, hey, you know, Vance Joseph, man, what can you do? Uh, but if Elway's bought into Fangio, Fangio's bought in. The players seem to have bought into his style and methods of coaching. I'm here for it. And like I said, that might mean Denver doesn't do well at all this season. Denver might end up as a 5-11, 6-10 team. Denver might only win three games. Who knows? Uh, I do hope with that, uh, I hope Vaughn stays. Uh, Vaughn's been great. If Vaughn gets traded, I get it. Um, but Vaughn's obviously a Hall of Famer. One of the two best defensive, two maybe three best him champ, um, there and maybe Atwater as the best Denver defensive player in history. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone from that Orange Crush, the Orange Crush team, but I don't know. And just 
man, what do you say? Like, I just, I hope Vaughn stays. Um, big fan of Chubb. Continues to improve. I like Simmons. I'm not sold on Simmons, though. Like, there's so many things that this team can do. And that has, and then none of it has to do with winning this year. And who knows if Drew Locke is even his guy. Maybe they do 2-1-14, 3-13, and they're in the conversation for Tua. Maybe they're in the conversation for Jalen Hurts. But I do like what's going on. I do like the direction they're going. Fellow Bronco fans, help! just stay with us. I believe this is the most sold I've been on a coach in... Well, I was still I still wanted Mike Shanahan for the last ten years. That's that's how coaching has gone for me. I like uh, Mike Shanahan's a legend. I really liked the beginning of Josh McDaniels, and now we're at Vic Fangio. So that's where we're at. Um, not a great side of the season, obviously, but hopefully it gets turned around. If it doesn't get turned around, I like the culture. I like the direction they're going. You still have, I didn't mention Lindsey or Freeman. Um, some good young players on this team. I like it. When we come back, we're going to talk about Mike Trout's greatest, possibly his greatest attribute. And then we are going to get into only something that I would understand. You are listening to Hard Foul Radio. We'll be back momentarily. Hope you're enjoying yourself. It is a wonderful Friday morning, or maybe Friday evening, or maybe you're listening to us on the weekends. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm just glad that you're here. Glad that you're giving me some time to talk to you, whether it is through your speaker in your living room, bedroom. Maybe you're listening to me in the shower, although I wouldn't recommend listening to me in the shower. But hey, who am I to judge how you listen to podcasts? Mike Trout. Uh, there's not enough words I could say about him. I've been on the record since I've ever had a microphone in front of me how great I think Mike Trout is. Uh, I'm on record as saying I think Mike Trout is on pace to be the greatest baseball player of all time. I've said on record, Mike Trout, it's really not close how much better he is than the next best person in baseball, whoever that may be for you, Mookie Betts, Christian Yelich, whoever you want to throw in that conversation, Trout has a definitive lead on all of them. One of the things that I think is really impressive about Mike Trout, and I brought this up last week, that he could get his third AL MVP and he's never won a playoff game. And people use that as a detriment and say, oh, well, he's not winning, so is he really as valuable as people make him out to see? Do you know how hard it is to go to work when work sucks? And you're all going to say, oh, well, we all have to. I don't like my job. I still go because I got to pay the bills. Okay. Use that as your reason. Could you imagine if you were set for life and going to work sucked? Would you still go to your job? The answer is no. Mike Trout is set for life. I don't know about you. But $425 million fully guaranteed. You can do a couple things with that. 
the hundred million dollars he had before this. You could do something with that. Mike Trout, game after game, season after season, can, puts up MVP, historic all-time numbers, plays great defense, hits home runs, steals bases, does everything you want out of baseball players. Great in the community, great with fans. And the Angels continue to lose game after game, season after season. It's rough. It's really rough in Anaheim right now. Even had to deal with the very unfortunate passing of a teammate this year. Had to deal early on earlier on in his career with some of Josh Hamilton's antics. Had to deal with the pressure of our pools coming and signing in LA. And he just keeps putting up numbers, keeps putting, keeps playing like an MVP. He does all of that. He's set for life. How amazing is it that we have a guy who endures all that losing and still performs for all of us to watch? And yet you critique him. And you're like, he's not winning enough. Win, Mike Trout. Wow. If that don't say we're never going to be satisfied, I don't know what does. We started the show off by talking about Jalen Ramsey. He's 50 games in. And I understand NFL and baseball season is obviously much different. The severity of the toll on your body, much different. Mike Trout's having surgery. He's hurt. Jalen Ramsey's in his fourth year. Started every game, 51 games without the Thursday night game. He's like, I'm out. Y'all are losing. It's not fun. I want out. The NBA, you could give the guy a Supermax contract. You could be a good, not great team. You could make the playoffs, but if you don't want a title, hey, dude, I'm 25. I want out. I want titles. Let me go. I'm just asking. I'm, just, I'm throwing my hands up right now for those of you just listening that can't actually see. Trout endures losing after losing after losing. Bad ownership, bad organization as far as how they've handled the baseball team. I'm not speaking on the people. And he continued. He put up another 290, 45 home run, 1,000 plus OP. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Gosh, and you don't think he's the best player to ever... Oh, my gosh. Other sports can't even keep their guys. That's after a bad season. It reminds me a lot of when Kevin Garnett was in Minnesota. Kevin Garnett dealt with a whole lot of BS. And Kevin Garnett stayed. And we... Had to, at the, it's no longer applauded, but at the time it was applauded like, man, he is really trying to have this breakthrough with Minnesota. And they were making the playoffs. Mike Trout's been to the playoffs once. He got old Albert. He got Hamilton who couldn't play anymore. The Angels were actually pretty good pre-Mike Trout. And all of those players, gone. Mike Trout's on another level, dude. Just a whole, whole other level, whole other level. And just if, appreciate Mike Trout. 
while we still have Mike Trout. And I'm hoping that him and Christian Yelich both come back from their uh, both had bad injuries. Christian Yelich obviously crushing his knee bone or his kneecap. Uh, that's incredible. That's insane. Hope he gets back soon. Hope Mike Trout comes back healthy. Hope both are the performers and perform up to the expectation they have for themselves and what we've been blessed to witness and see on a daily basis the past couple years. Mike Trout, man, that dude's a warrior. Get him in Golden State. You want to see a dynasty. All right. So as we come here to close out our show, you know how we close here on Hard Foul Radio. We have to do something only I would understand. And I'm hoping the more I do these, more of you guys starting to understand too. But right now, camera and microphone's on me, so it's something that only I would get. Patrick Mahomes is really good. Now, we all understand that. But Patrick Mahomes is so good that he overshadows his contemporaries. And that's a hard thing to do. And if you're not really thinking about it, you'd say, oh, it's easy. Of course he overshadows his contemporaries. Well, no, not really, because when does that ever happen? Drew Brees never overshadowed Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Manning never overshadowed Brady. Brady never overshadowed Manning. It's really hard to just out overshadow and out... Just, just overtake all of your contemporaries. But he's done that. Carson Wentz is really good. We don't put him in the same class as Patrick Mahomes. Dak's gone to the playoffs two of his three years and has a great start to year four. We don't put him in the same class as Mahomes. Lamar Jackson got to the playoffs. Josh Allen, he's on a much he's on a much better Buffalo team. Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. We're not put any of these guys in the Mahomes class. Deshaun Watson, we don't put him in the Mahomes class. These guys are all really, really good. It reminds me of Final Fantasy. There's a lot of really good Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy 1 and 2, awesome. Final Fantasy 8, amazing. Final Fantasy 10, I really loved it. That's my personal favorite. Final Fantasy 10 2, we don't talk about that. Final Fantasy 12, by critics acclaim, was really good. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 was really just a four-hour movie, but still good. Uh, the newest one got a lot of claim. There is a bunch of really good Final Fantasies, and there's a bunch of really noteworthy characters who have been a part of this franchise. Titus, Leon, or Squall, for those of you people who call him Squall. Uh, there's a lot of characters who are Orin, who are still relevant today. But you know who's kind of above everybody else and has outclassed and overshadowed everybody else in the Final Fantasy series? Well, that would be Final Fantasy VII's Cloud. Final Fantasy is a game series that has nothing to do with each other. One's different from two, three, four, five, six. Some of them, uh, I'm going to misquote which two two of them have are kind of similar to each other are, are in the same world and then 10 and 10 two are continuations but otherwise they're all they're each own independent game so it's not like cloud is meeting squall or leon and it's not like titus is going into their game no all independent 
and Cloud is still the signature and the face of Final Fantasies. Because his game was that impactful, his game was that good, that even now, in 2019, we are all waiting on the remake of Cloud's game. Even in 2019, or in 2017, we wanted, we were told, we're gonna get a Final Fantasy character, Final Fantasy character in Smash Brothers. Who did everybody want? Just the immediate go-to. We want Cloud. Put Cloud in Smash. Then he became a top tier. He was busted, and everybody was like, "Get him the fuck out of here." Then we nerfed him in Ultimate, and it's all okay now. There's a lot of really good young quarterbacks in the league. Like I said, Wentz, Dak, Deshaun, excuse me, uh, Lamar, Ky Kyler Murray's got the most passing yards. There's a bunch of guys. Kyler Murray's got the most passing yards his first two games. Even Andrew Luck, who was still thought to be a young quarterback despite being 30 before he retired, he wasn't in Mahomes' category. When all these young quarterbacks go and play on Sunday, the number one, the number one game you're gonna go and watch, and it's not just because they're playing the Ravens. <clears throat> Because you'll watch Mahomes, whoever he's playing. The Chiefs-Raiders game is one of the highest-rated games from last week. Why? Because we want to watch Mahomes. We want Cloud. We want Mahomes. There's a bunch of really good games. A bunch of really good young quarterbacks. But there's one guy we want above all of them. That is Mr. Cloud. And that is one Patrick Mahomes. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Hard Foul Radio. Uh, really awesome to keep doing these. Uh, obviously, like I said, next week we will not only have the daily shows, we will also have streaming on Hard Foul Gaming on Twitch. That will be Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Approximately, excuse me, approximately 4 to 8, 9 o'clock um, you know, West Coast time. And really excited to get that started up. Uh, I will be doing a test stream uh later today or if you're hearing this not on friday i will doing it on friday matt and i will be streaming and really looking forward to that the schedule's getting better more concrete uh, the production's better the quality of the content is better my lighting's but just everything's getting better i'm super excited super happy uh, i've doing this for two years now haven't made a dime and i still love doing it Hopefully the support gets at some point to be financially supporting as well. But even until that point, I appreciate anybody who's taking the time to listen. Love you. Appreciate you. Don't forget to go check out No Feelings Meetings and m Podcast, uh, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Hardfell Network, Hardfell Podcast. And I will see you guys on Monday. <laughs>